Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. This is Luis Sanchez. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, I'm Scott Callantine. Welcome to the episode. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to another episode here on Keeping It Simple. We're in the midst of our APES series, so thank you for joining us for another edition. Today, we have a special guest, Ralph Moore, with us, and we have another episode with Ralph coming up. But Ralph, would you briefly introduce yourself to our audience and kind of just share a little bit about who you are, and then we'll get into talking about the APES. Okay. First, I'm an old man. I'm <laughs> 76 years old. Young. Actually began uh, pastoring people when I was um, still 18 years old. I started with four junior high school boys. I'm still in touch with three of the four. We lost one guy, Jimmy, real quickly. But Daniel, Dudley, Jeff uh, are still my friends. Uh, two mm. of them are pastors. Uh, Dan is a uh, pastor at Hope Chapel Santa Rosa these days. So that's a long time. That was 1964. Um, and so I've been doing this for a long while, planted a church uh, after seven years working with those kids and their friends. Uh, that church uh, grew to a couple thousand people. I left it 12 years in. I was the 30th guy to plant a church coming out of there. That church continued to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. We moved to Hawaii. The same thing happened. We're planting churches that plant churches that plant churches. There's one chain of events that goes from when I was still in Hermosa Beach, California. We moved from Manhattan Beach where we started to Hermosa. I, I sent a guy named Jeff Fisher, who I talk to every twice a month now, uh, to uh, the San Fernando Valley. He was 20 years old. He's bringing all these young kids to our church. Uh, he's an evangelist. They're, they're coming to Jesus. Pretty soon they ran out of cars. They'd come surf on, on Sundays, about 40-mile drive from where they lived. And um, and then they'd come to our church on Sunday nights, and we're baptizing them, whatever. And Jeff comes and says, we, we there's so many kids now. We, we need a church. Can you start a church in the valley? And I go, yeah, you're the pastor. And and so <laughs> we, we sent our paid youth pastor uh, to become the babysitter of Jeff. And um, and Jeff started this church called Hope of the Valley. About three or four years later, they sent that guy that was a youth pastor to New Hampshire, where he'd had some experience. Uh, and he uh, planted a church that failed. But during that time, he led a guy to the Lord and discipled him to be a church planter. And then that guy went on, and, 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 and the cycle goes on of a person coming to know Jesus in the church, being discipled in the church, and then being launched as a church planter from the church. And that, that story 15 years ago went nine generations deep in New England, where everybody knows that Christianity is dead. And so that's kind of been our experience um, from Hawaii. We kept planting churches. It's, it's gone around the world. Uh, we believe there's over 2,600 congregations out there now. Um, that, that we, you know, it's, it's all the, the evidence that we have is all anecdotal. You know, somebody's telling me their story, they're telling me their story and it just keeps going on from there. So we don't really know the full footprint, but we believe there's a quarter of a million people that are worshiping Jesus now, not counting the people who've died and gone to heaven. And so this business of multiplication is just what mm. we're all about yeah. and who I am. Yeah. 
Today I run a website, uh, rothmore.net, and do a blog, do a podcast, YouTube. There's a bunch of stuff on there for free, and yeah. that's it. And you and you work with, and the way that we connected was through the exponential learning communities, and that's a bulk of uh, what you're doing these days as well. So grateful for pouring into the next generation, Ralph. Uh, today we are, you know, uh, in this APES series, I want to read a couple of words that Paul wrote down in, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. He says, uh, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. APEST is an acronym of those things, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherds, and teacher. Talk to us. What do you consider yourself, and what gifting have you seen most consistently in your life? I consider myself um, an apostolic teacher. Uh, I, 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 people who know me well uh, informed me. One day we were right. talking about spiritual gifts and staff meeting, and they, they refer back to uh, Romans 12. And they go, the strongest thing that we see in you is you're an encourager. Mm. You see stuff in people that they don't see in themselves because it's really true. Sometimes the, the, the person who came to us as kind of the dregs of society mm. ended up becoming a spectacular disciple maker or church planter. And so I think that's sort of the, the launch pad. That's the thing that's inside of me deep. Yeah. Um, I have an apostolic bent. I, I'm innovative. I'm always looking for a different way of doing things, uh, whether it's engineering. I'm, I'm building a sprinkler system in my yard. And this morning I was sitting out there and I, I had like a, a bolt from heaven that uh, I, I was able to cut out a whole lot of ugly and, and make it a lot easier and simpler. And I'm always looking for that. How do I make it simpler? And, and, and that works really well. I wouldn't say that I'm an apostle. If I was an apostle, I'd be traveling. But I, I have this, so there there is an apostolic element there. I'm a, I, you know, I always tell people I'm only good at really two things. I guess the third would be, and the most important would be seeing something in people and and helping them find that. But I'm I'm a really good snow skier. I'm a really poor surfer. Uh, I'm not going to go up there and break my leg at this age, and I quit surfing because I was traveling so much. I used to take 10 to 12 trips per year, mostly overseas while I was pastoring church of a couple thousand people in Hawaii. That was just my normal lifestyle. But um, I, I, so I, I'm, I'm a wannabe surfer, but I can get down a hill really fast on skis. So I'm really good at that. And I will say, I'm a good Bible teacher. I, 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 if, especially if the funny turns on, I'm a really good Bible teacher. And so the, in terms of the APES gifting, I'm a teacher with an apostolic bent. And I, I've learned to leverage my, myself and my gifting. That's what gave me the apostolic bent. It's, it's more of a learned behavior, I think, than it is even a gifting. Uh, there, there's a part of it that's, that I'm sure is a gifting. There's a little bit of me that, that re always rebels against systems, and I think you're going to see that in the apostolic person, that they don't like systems that hold people down. And so that's that's kind of where I'm at. 
Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that apostolic edge, as you would call it. Um, what does it look like in being healthy? Like Ralph is at his healthiest spiritually and, and, and working in these giftings. What does that look like for you? And then maybe in the context of a team, other people, that it's not just you, where do you see that gifting manifest the most? Well, let, let me let me back up and talk a little bit about somebody else for a moment. Okay. I, I, I look at my, my friend Todd Wilson and what's going on with Exponential. And I would not call Todd an apostle. I, call, I would think that Todd is a prophet uh, primarily and a teacher. But he has this apostolic bent. And look what's happened through Exponential. The world has literally changed because of Exponential. So... Uh, again, I think that that w- one of the things we need to be wary of is that we try to put people into a slot, and it doesn't work well when you're slotted. It works well when there's this blending that goes on. As to the team, um, my my role primarily has always been teaching. It, it, everything comes out of making disciples uh, and, and who make disciples and and training people in the Word so that they've got it and they don't need me at that point. I got into an argument with a guy once I was, I was teaching it. I was in a, I was on a, it was a kind of a supposed to be like a panel discussion, but they, they put it, each of us up in front of a microphone, talk for a little bit. And then we go sit down and the other guy talks. And it was a, it was, a, it was a very in- intriguing deal, but one of the guys got mad at me and I had told a story. There's a woman in Shanghai, and she was, um, uh, her husband's an investment banker. She's a biogeneticist. She taught in a university in America for nine years. Brilliant woman. She's she's lead, She's lead. a pastor of a church in Shanghai that is, is made up of mostly investment bankers and stockbrokers. These are wealthy, wealthy people. And I've got the privilege of, of me having lunch with her core, Every, every person at this table, 13 people at the table, out of 128 or so in the church, 13 people are in the process of reproducing the church, doing a microchurch. And I think that's a cool story. And so um, I tell the story in this meeting, and this guy uh, doesn't believe that women should be pastors. And so he's getting mad at me because he thinks I'm promoting women as pastors, and I'm not. I'm just telling a story of what God's doing in Shanghai, and I think it's really cool. And so he takes me on in front of all, you know, maybe 400 people. And and, and, he, and he turns on me, starts to do his teaching, and then he just turns on me, and he goes, hey, Ralph, you're not the laid-back persona that you present to everybody. I, I know that can't be real. You wouldn't have done the things you did without you being a high-control leader. Well, I got mad. He's mad, I'm mad. And we're in front of all this crowd of people. And so I go, hey, you don't get it at all. I, I, I go, for one, I'm exact. what you see is what you get. This is me. I, I, I don't like secrets. I'll tell anything stupid I've done, um, sinful I've done. I don't give a rip. Um, I am this laid back personality. On the other hand, I'm much more high control than you believe I am. Because when I can teach somebody how to think, I don't have to teach them how to act. And so I send people out the door 
and I and I and I have huge control at that point because I taught them how to think, and therefore I can be this laid back person because I don't have to bother with what they did. I don't run the church; Jesus does. I don't own it; Jesus does. Uh, they are bond slaves, like I'm a bond slave, so I don't really care. And so that's kind of take that now into a pastoral team. I'm I'm teaching the word on the weekend. There, that's part of. We've linked the weekend Bible teaching to what we're doing in the micro churches inside the congregation. Everybody that is on our staff, including the janitors and the landscape guys, are leading a micro church. You cannot qualify to to run a lawnmower in our church for money if you're not already leading a micro church. We had a guy who came out of jail, got just turned on. He's he's kind of gifted as an evangelist. He wanted to come to work for us, and his father had worked for us as a head of our maintenance. He wanted to come, and, and his father had retired. He wanted to come and work in, in our maintenance department. It was like big department, three people. And we told him, hey, Augie, man, you got to be leading a microchurch or you don't, you're not going to happen. And so he he was already attending. He's already bringing people in, what, one thing after another. He just got real serious about helping out with the leadership. Pretty soon he's leading one. We hired him. And so uh, for, for staff pastors, uh, you better have started two or three microchurches or we're not even looking at you. And so... We've we've this this sort of system that we put together now as I'm kind of fitting into it with everybody else, uh, this apostolic side of me is usually kind of goading people toward change. I tend to read a lot of books, and so I get a lot of ideas. And I've always tried to position myself when I come with fresh ideas, knowing I'm I'm disruptive. I want to be disruptive. I, I want to be a dis, disruptive influence in the church today. But for sure in my staff, I'm I'm the most disruptive. And and as I got older and our staff got younger, it became more of a problem. Um, we've always kind of had a, a a rule that you if you're discipling somebody to take your job in case you go out and plant a church, this is paid staff. The person that you're going to leave us with has to be at least one year younger than you. So as I'm getting older, the staff's getting younger. And as the millennial generation came on and the younger Gen Xers, they, they're more cautious. than I, you know, I'm a baby boomer, and it's like, go for it and give it a shot. And if it breaks, well, we'll do something else. They're, they're quite cautious. So I had to submit myself to my team. I always would operate from a position of submission. I, I, I believe that Paul did the same thing. And so I would I would go, you know, I, I, I read this book, I got this idea, what do you guys think about it? Now, if I can't sell them on, on at least trying, testing, then it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I may come back next week and hit them with it again, but I, I, they have to make the decision. So I'm looking for consensus but I'm looking for, we drive to consensus. And so I'm going to come at them. And, and sometimes when they say no, then I'm going to say, well, what if we just did an experiment? What if you just give me three months? We'll try this out for three months. And then if it, you know, fly or die, if it doesn't work, we throw it away. But if it works, we learn something new. Let's, you know, and I could work my way in 
And so that's how, so I, I, I've got the, I've got the power of the pulpit. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching them the Bible. I'm, they're, they're learning how to think about God through what I'm saying. So that's huge power, whether you recognize it or not. But then in the, in the, in the, in the team, the apostolic bent, I think needs to come in from the role of a servant because that's what Jesus said. And it worked out quite well for us. Nice. So let me ask you this question, focusing again on the apostolic. What does a mature apostle type um, look like? What is the, you know, how, how do they engage the world, a mature apostle type? Well, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal background. There are a lot of people who would um, claim to be an apostle. And they would claim that all I have all five APS gifts. It all centers on me. So they're the center of the world, basically, their little world. And, you know, I resented that deeply. I think it's kind of the opposite. I think the mature apostle is, is, is not taking credit for stuff. Mm. Uh, he, he's not trying to tally stuff. Mm. He's not trying to be famous. Um, mm. it's, it's always better for me to operate underground. You know, I, I eventually uh, wrote some books. We were, we were, we created our own little publishing ministry and it started with cassette tapes and then CDs. And, and then I, I was writing things and we started, you know, and in a sense it was self-publishing, but it was going real far. I never got any money out of it. It was the church owned it it's called straight street. And I still use that straight street publication with the, the things I do. And, but I, I started writing books for what is now Baker. It was regal books at the time, but they were bought by Baker. And I think I maybe put out nine or 10 books. I'm not sure. And um, I got frustrated. I, I, I don't like um, promoting the thing. I don't like lugging books everywhere I go to try to sell them at a book table. Um, I, I, that just doesn't fit with me. And it fits with a lot of people, and I'm not against the Christian publishing industry, but it, but it frustrated me in that by the time something actually came out, it was like two years obsolete already because it took so long to process the deal. Uh, when, I, when I first kind of hit the exponential world, I got hit up by three publishers in, in like three days that were at the event. Would I like to write a book for them? And, it, and, I, and so now I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking, no, I really don't want to do that anymore. I'll, I'll write books for Exponential. I don't get paid for that. But they're going to the people that I care about the most. And you know, I, I, I've learned the power of small volume targeted publishing. And so to me, the, 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 the level three guys are the ones writing the most books. Some of the level four guys are writing books. The level five guys don't really tend to care about it. And those are the apostolic people. And so a lot of the accoutrements of the, the church world don't appeal to the person with the apostolic bent. Hmm. So I'm hearing a lot of, I mean, obviously forward thinking and innovative. That's I think how we would kind of define the, the apostleship or the apostolic types of people. But in the context of a team, because ultimately 
the best representation best representation of the apest is in a team of people who all have those strengths of the giftings because no one is a hundred percent of every single gift except for Jesus. He's the only one. And so seeing that represented in a team. So in the context of the apostleship or the apostle, what does that person do best? And what does that person do poorly? Or at least in your experience, maybe where is that weakness that they need that other part of the team to help them? The, the weakness for me is pastoring. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not a pastor. You know, take two aspirins and call me in a couple of days. I, <laughs> I just, I, 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 I don't want to go down that trail with you. Uh, I, I'm leading a couple of microchurches right now. And one of them, I, I'm about to just bail out because uh, basically it, it it's, People aren't following through on what they say in this one group that I, I lead that's local here in San Diego. Um, they're, they they want to just moan and groan about their problems, make it all about them. And it's like, I, you know, I don't have time for this. I, I don't, that's a downside. Uh, and, and most, people, most people that I know that are apostolic are, are going to drop you really quick if yeah, you want to talk on. about yourself a lot. And so uh, I think that's a weakness. I think um, again the, the 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 strength of the team. Uh, I'm not an evangelist, you know. Mm. Sit next to me on an airplane. You're a seeker. You're hungry for Jesus, and start a conversation. And I'm going to look up from my book and go, uh, uh. And I, I don't I don't talk to people. And I hear all these evangelist types. They're always telling, I led this guy to this flight from Houston to Orlando, and. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't talk to people on airplanes. I, I'm just not that. Um, so, again, leveraging my gifts, knowing I'm a poor evangelist. Yeah. You know, I read books that say that if, if you want people to share their faith, you need to be the lead faith sharer in the church. Yeah. Well, I, I'm an introvert, and I don't know how to start those conversations. So all mm. you, I think all you got to do is make disciples who make disciples, and some of them are going to evangelize well. And then you make heroes out of them for the, the stories they told you. You tell those stories in your teaching and you get other people doing the same thing. So, man, man. So when you think about an apostle, we're starting to wrap up the conversation here, Ralph. Thanks so much. When you think about an apostle, you think about, you know, what's in their wheelhouse in 2022. Someone's trying to identify their gift type. Uh, what does an apostle in 2022 do? How, how can they say, maybe I'm an apostle, you know, if they're asking this question, what, what could some of the things that they do look like in these days? Reproduce yourself in others. They're going to have different giftings. Look for the person who has the, 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 the shepherding gift or the apostolic gift or the evangelist gift. Because those are the growth points. Those are those are where the the, the edge of the church is is growing, and and begin to help those people develop those gifts and go forward from there. I, I want to add something to this. When I was young, I was called a volunteer youth pastor, and then I got paid. I graduated from Bible college. I was called a pastor, a youth pastor. Then I started a church, and I was called a pastor, and then the church world changed terminology and I became the senior pastor. 
And after that, I became the lead pastor. So I was the, 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 the pastor. Whatever the adjective was, it was the pastor. That cancels the APES gifts in a church. If you're the pastor of a church of 2,000 people, well, what about the 300 other people that God has gifted as pastors in your midst? If you're the pastor of a 20-person church, what about the other two people that God has gifted to be pastors in your midst? And, and once, once you've nullified those people and their gifts, you've actually nullified the whole APAS deal. Because functionally, everybody's looking to you to make all five the functions of the, of the APAS gifts. They're looking to you to make all five functions work in an organization. So you become the, the CEO who's the manager, and you're responsible for all these functions. Basically, you're not identifying the functions in the church. You've nullified all of them. And so I, I think as, as an apostle, you're, one of your primary roles is to see stuff in people that they don't see, and then to, to, to fan that fire into flame Good. and help them Good. to get to where they're trying to go. And then begin to, you'll have to build structure. You don't have to build infrastructure. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to build an institution, but you got to build a scaffolding for this thing to move forward with. No, that's good. We see that in Paul's life, right? We see Paul traveling around, right? When we think of apostles, when I think of an apostle, and I, I would consider myself primarily an A-type, um, and it's like we're at the tip of the spear. Uh, we're breaking ground. Uh, we don't mind going first, really. We kind of thrive in that space. Um, but like you said, Ralph, I never really identified that looking for the gifts in other people um, and and kind of fanning that. I, I, I actually love to do that. And I love, I actually, it's to a fault also, to a fault. And my wife gets mad at me all the time on this. My wife was said, when I used to pastor in the predominant model, she's like, you guys would give the keys to anybody in the church, my wife would say, you know, like, because I'm thinking like, dang, this guy can, if he lived up to his fullest potential, this guy can be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yet, you know, like he still struggles with drug addiction or he still struggles with, you know, whatever it is that this person is struggling with. And, and my wife who who's more cautious is like, you guys give the, the keys to anybody, you know? And so, mm-hmm. but I, I'd never put those two and two together, uh, Ralph. So thank you for that. Um, but I do think that that is a gift though, also to the church where yeah. we're saying, Hey, call out the best in other people as I'm, uh, you know, growing in the faith. I really love this space that I'm in right now where I want to parent. I don't, I want, those that are in my spiritual lineage to go further than I ever went, right? Now I'm in this space, like earlier on in my ministry, I wanted to be the best. I always like had the loudest voice in the room. I wanted to be the most gifted. I'm not in that space anymore, right? I'm in the space with like, how am I going to make children that make children that make children that look more like Jesus than they look like me, right? And so like, thank you for saying that even now, Ralph, because that's actually put some stuff together for me and it's it brought some clarity um, yeah, as far yeah. as like what it looks like to be, uh, grow into a mature apostle. Now, I'm not saying I have it all together. I'm still growing into that right now. Yeah, you don't. But even in the, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you, you would say that. Um, but but even sharing into some of these things, Ralph, was 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 important. In me. Yeah, we, we're going to say, 
Go Can ahead. I just thank you for the, what you said about the keys? Um, because you, you opened up something inside of me. I, I've had problems with church keys. We, I've been um, in a situation where uh, we had control of four different buildings over the years. Yeah. And I was always yeah. in trouble with my staff because I was giving keys to people who shouldn't have keys. Right. And uh, and when we finally went electronic, I was giving the combinations to people right. who shouldn't have the combinations. <laughs> right. Because they had something to do. They needed access to the building. Right. No, no, no. They're not ready or they're not yeah, this yeah, or yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. that. And I and so think about this. Would Barnabas have that problem with church keys? Because I want to be Barnabas. Right. Bar Barnabas gave Saul of Tarsus, the church key, when when he took Saul on, when the when the guys in Jerusalem were afraid of him, right, and he gave him the keys when he to Antioch, and he was with them when the two of them when Saul Paul got beat up in Acts fourteen, and then they stuck back into all these towns and they appointed their disciples as elders, which means pastors, right, and and people they didn't have email, they didn't have phones they didn't have ways of contacting these people yeah. but they they gave trust to these people because yeah. to me yeah, the yeah, keys yeah. are a symbol of trust and man yeah. I'm, I'm that's going to yeah. come out in my next book what you just said that's still, still... <laughs> it wasn't like two or three years right like you didn't wait two to three years and put them through this process it's like man and so i that has always gotten me yeah. in trouble <laughs> yeah as we as we land the plane here for this episode ralph we again thank you so much for joining us um how can people best stay connected with you? And what are some closing words in regards to the APEST for our audience? You can best connect with me through my website, ralphmore.net, just my name.net. And there's a contact form and it comes directly to my personal email. I, I do answer the emails. Uh, there, there's a lot of tools in there and most of it is for free. And I think closing words, if, if, if you sense that you're an apostolic person just realize you're not the star of the show that you, your, your deal uh, you know as we were just talking about keys your deal is to to hand off the keys of the kingdom that were handed to you to the next person and 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 make sure that they know that they should hand those keys off to the next person someone else in line yeah that's good bro appreciate you Thank you for all the work that you've done. We want to give you your flowers on this side of eternity, Ralph. 26 plus hundred churches and maybe a quarter of a million people that are alive today uh, can trace back their spiritual lineage to the hard work that of the people that you've handed those keys off to uh, over the decades. So we're grateful for you. Uh, you guys, uh, man, connect with Ralph more. Listen to him. He's got a podcast as well. Check out his website, the work that he's done over the years. God bless you, Ralph. Longevity to you. Longevity to your ministry. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.